And welcome to part two of the <laughs> <laughs> the Tim and Mickey show, Two Jams Christmas Holiday Special. And we are welcoming you to part two because, you know, it's been a while and we had some technical difficulties, but we should be able to continue on now. No, 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 Mickey, we should tell them this was entirely planned. We always oh, wanted right. to. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. Yes, this was entirely planned. We always planned. meant to break this into two segments to make it easier for you. And who knows? Maybe yes. we'll break it into three. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it all depends you on just don't know. Points, you know? <laughs> We could go on for days. So, yeah, that could happen. Um, But thank you and welcome back to part two. We were talking about some of the holiday movies over the year. I had mentioned Fred Claus with Vince Vaughn. And basically it said that I didn't really think that those movies, holiday movies and Christmas movies specifically, um, were made for theater relief always. And I think this is where Hallmark found its niche. Because you are more inclined to sit and watch and, you know, a two hour, hour and a half without commercials, long movie. That's a rom-com. That is holiday themed. That is formulaic if you did not pay 20 bucks for a ticket. Yeah. So I think it really does fill a little niche there. You know, it has to be a really kind of spectacular experience to be in the theater to go. And I think people have tried over the years to do that. And some of them have failed epically. Um, and some of them, I think, have been moderately successful. Like, the, I think the Santa Claus movies were were popular. And obviously, they're doing some more of them. So, yeah. Actually, now that you mentioned that, <clears throat> that does kind of add up. That there's the, if you're going to have to expend X amount of money for the tickets, X amount of money for, you know, popcorn, candy, parking, all that other kind of stuff. Well, then you're probably going to want to be blown out, blown away by what you're watching. And you're probably, you know, we use a Star Wars or a Marvel movie or something like that. <clears throat> People complain Hollywood's not making those mid-budget, mid-level, you know, just plain nice movies. But it basically is that if you're asking people to spend, you know, 20, 30, 40 bucks a head to go out on a, you know, Saturday night, you'd really, it's got to, it's got to be spectacular. And I think it's safe to say that most Christmas movies, even the ones we love, weren't really spectacular. You know, weren't one of those you know, very rarely, very rarely will Christmas movies be on someone's all time favorite list. And also, I imagine because of the Christmas theme, you can only really have them in theaters from. Do you never talk to girls? <laughs> like outside of me, now. like outside of me. And I asked this as one of your best friends. Like, I know that you do have other girlfriends. And um, <laughs> and I ask yeah, this friends. because when you friends. ask, like I can, I literally can think of. Friends of mine who would say that It's a Wonderful Life, Christmas in Connecticut were some of their favorite movies of all time. It's a yeah, White Christmas, Holiday Inn, um, people that really like old movies particularly, obviously like those. As I've already said, Elf, Mean Girls, which should count. You've mentioned Die Hard. I actually think that probably on everybody's top, definitely top 10, if not top five list of movies, you might find something that's a Christmas movie. I will grant that, and I will say there are probably a bunch of movies like, as you mentioned, you know, not just Die Hard, but um, When Harry Met Sally, where a part of the movie takes place during Christmas time. Love Actually is another classic. Yeah, we were Actually. talking about classics and and in the in the first part, yeah. and I think you can't leave out Love Actually. It's it's absolutely must watch, and it it always like you know what's going to happen, and it still gets you like every yeah. time. You know, that was another one of like, we're going to take 
you know, actors who are known for doing something really well. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to have Hugh Grant up there and he's going to stammer and he's going to get tongue tied. And that's what mm-hmm. he go when he's around a woman he's attracted to. That's what he does. Well, I remember watching it in the theater and Mr. Bean shows up and people mm-hmm. Rowan Atkinson, and people just started laughing the moment they saw him. They just yes. knew he was going to do something ridiculous. And they just started, you know, so, you know, Alan Rickman, Emma, you know, when you load Liam Neeson cast, is yeah, you know. incredible in that role. Uh, when you load up your cast with stars who have not just, you know, considerable screen presence, but I guess it almost like the the audience already instinctively likes these people and mm-hmm. root for these people. So I think like lots of people, you know, we're used to seeing Alan Rickman as a villain, maybe. But to see him, you know, betraying the Emma Thompson, ooh, ooh, you know, it really, I think the audience feels that slap, feels that sense of, you know, um, so it all makes it easier for your audience to kind of go along with that. But again, you know, I mean, <clears throat> that's maybe the kind of movie that if you released it today and only in theaters and obviously post COVID, they're mm-hmm. still, sh- you know, trying to figure out what do we put on streaming? What do we put on theaters? I don't know if it would do as well because I don't know if people want to, you know, shell out. What is it now? 14 bucks to a theater, 15 bucks to a theater. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and I, of course, depends on the theater and, you know, what time of day you go to see it. But again, I just think it has more to do with the money in general. Like, those are not the type of movies that people want to invest in. Mm. Um, I, You know, I'm the worst. I am terrible about going to a theater to see a movie in general. And it needs to be something that I absolutely must see in a theater, which usually means special effects. Mm. Like, to me, that's what it means. There's either like spectacular scenery that I need to see that I'm like, okay, I need to see that in the theater or a sense of like special effects or something along those lines that make it bigger and better. And while this is not a Christmas movie, for some reason I always associate it with, but the Lord of the Rings trilogy was something that was needed to be seen in the theater. And a bunch of Star Wars movies came in the last few by Disney came out Mm -hmm. around Christmas and thus it became so, you know, I'm sure for some people, a Christmas tradition. Um, actually, I'm really. So do you end up seeing Black Panther in theaters? The, the you know, Wakanda Forever? Um, no. Okay. I have not either. And listeners know I've got two guys, uh, two, two, uh, one teenager and one near teenager. And neither one has been all that interested in seeing Wakanda Forever. Hmm. And so but when people say, oh, Marvel and the last couple of movies have really stunk and all that stuff. Yeah, I don't think it's merely a matter of politics or caste diversity or something like that. It's not like, you know, it's not like the Black Panther movies suddenly became diverse. <laughs> they were, you know, I think we all remember the first one. But there really has <laughs> been this sense of the that there isn't the excitement. I wonder, I'm wondering if like this, this streaming offerings on Disney Plus have made a new Marvel movie less of a big, exciting thing. Where, oh, you got to go out and you got to. It's much it. more accessible. Absolutely. Yeah. But two things on this. Um, one, if they wanted me to go see Wakanda Forever, they should have brought Killmonger back. Mm. Intriguing. I would go see Michael B. Jordan on the big screen. Mm. That I have no problem with. It was, it was so, very weird to watch a marketing <laughs> uh, effort that was basically, guess who our protagonist is? Right. Because um, <laughs> you know, like, they didn't want to tell you is pretty much yeah. it. Um, and then. Two, leave it to you to take our holiday Christmas special and turn it into a discussion about Marvel. <laughs> well, okay. 
we we've barely talked to our audience in like a nearly two year span. There's a lot to well, catch up to on. Be I fair, felt like this had to get inserted in there. You know. To be yeah. fair, I don't even know what is Marvel. Is, is, okay, let me just ask you this, and I'll take the heat on this one. Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. is that that's Marvel, right? That is indeed Marvel. Very good. Okay, great. Look, look, I segued. Look at me and right yes, into very that. Good. And to, right to bring, into yeah. that. So, yeah. have you seen? Because for our listeners. There is, um, and it is on Disney Plus, I believe, the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. And I can only imagine because I haven't seen the Star Wars Christmas special. I, I assume you have at some point. I if have. it's not like one of a my tradition. good friends indeed got went went traveled to the black market, mm-hmm. uh, got went into a dark alley, you know, paid a guy cash and managed to get his. <laughs> Anyway, for those who don't know, like this was something they made, I believe, Christmas 1978 or something like that. It has the original cast, but it was done on zero budget. And the whole B. Arthur sings a musical number is full of stuff. You're like, I can't believe they would do that. It was the cheesiest, most ridiculous gimmick and attempt to cash in ever. And George Lucas recognized it was terrible at the time. And, you know, it's never. Did been- he allow it to go on, though? Yeah, and I think you know they. I think they were already you know contractually obligated to go forward with it, and almost everyone involved. There, there was one animated portion that people said was good that introduced the Boba Fett character, but beyond that, you can tell Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, uh, Mark Hamill are going through the motions. They can't. Why? Be, it, why did B. Arthur sing? Uh, it was their updated version, low budget version of the bar scene. Um, oh my God. I'm not making any of this up. <laughs> I, I think Starship performed. I think you know, they, oh, they have a musical number. It was almost like a weird, like comedy variety show. The, the whole thing is, you know, because obviously Star Wars is taking place in a galaxy far, far away. Mm-hmm. There is no Christmas, so there is Life Day. I suppose if you could come up with a more generic name for a holiday, I challenge you to to try to Life Day. That. I, well, uh, there's there's Name Day. They're trying to get Chewbacca back to his home planet of Kashyyyk. Yes, I know this. Don't, you know, don't judge me. I'm judging. Um, I am judging so hard right now. Continue. You could could feel it through the microphone, the judgment. Um, And so to get to to see his family. So we get to see Chewbacca's family of other actors in big furry Wookiee suits. And I believe there are several scenes entirely of Wookiee dialogue. Oh, my God. And like really key, important emotional <laughs> moments are all delivered in Wookiee. I'm not making any of this. Are up. they subtitled at least? I, I'm trying to. I think they are. But like after a minute, you're like, this is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, as you know, I'm not a big Star Wars person. Is this the only time that we see Chewbacca's family? I believe so. Yeah. I, I, until the mm-hmm. um, the prequel trilogy, they show you other Wookiees. Um, and I I also <laughs> like this. Like Chewbacca always looked good in the films. Remember, it's a guy in a, for at least for the original trilogy. It's a guy in a suit. The other ones didn't fit as well. And they just didn't look. It, it all looks cheesier, low budget. Um, I suspect the Christmas collectibles are worth a lot. Well, yeah, so uh, because this, you know, obviously this is back in the late 70s, there are some people who had the ability to record, I guess, early VCRs then. And so, 
like kind of semi grainy staticky copies of this have been, you know, shared from fan to fan over the years. And also this became a legend because like, if you, you know, there was such you, know, you won't see any reference to it in anything Lucasfilm has ever put out. Like as far as they're concerned, if you destroy the negatives and wipe it from existence, George Lucas would do this. But Which, it's like course, the ring video. It just keeps going. And yes. Going. And everyone's like, oh, my God, I got to watch this. And then you watch it like. Wow, I see why. Okay, George Lucas, you were correct on this one. Other than an animated portion with um, uh, with Boba Fett, that would have been a pretty good like Saturday morning cartoon thing or something. It, I, I, again, I <laughs> I'm now almost that I've speechless. our land speeder into a I, no, I, I, I'm almost speechless. But I knew that you would have that information tucked away somewhere in that brain of yours. So, so having said all of that. Have you watched the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special? I have. And having found most of what Marvel has offered us since, say, WandaVision, which I look back was like one of the last things we talked about on the previous edition of, of T-Jams. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special is one of the more enjoyable offerings of, I guess, what they'd call phase four the last year or two. Um, it is only 45 minutes. It, I loved it. Yeah, it's not about saving the universe. It's not about it's it's literally taking a couple of the supporting characters and they say, hey, let's try to make a nice Christmas for Peter. And they go to Earth. And this is in the trailers. I don't think it's any you know huge spoiler. They go to Earth intending to kidnap Kevin Bacon because they've heard stories about how Kevin Bacon is this great hero. And uh, I feel like it's just cheesy enough. Like it delivers yeah. exactly the amount of kind of tongue in cheek, right? That you want from Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's all Christmassy, and it's great, and it has Kevin Bacon. Like, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't, everything's better with bacon, right? Well, it, it could have, yeah, and it could have been. They, they could have probably gotten a whole bunch of '80s. Act, they could have done this with, well, I guess Stallone played a role in. Uh, one of the movies but you could have you know, could have done this with Schwarzenegger. You could have done this with any one of the 80s, you know, action stars. I Kevin disagree. Bacon is just the right playful, mm-hmm. you know, playing a version of himself, of, of mm-hmm. himself being literally abducted by aliens. It and was spectacular. Yeah. He just he plays it perfectly. Um, and, the, you know, there were, you could always, you know, and it's literally fish out of water. You know, aliens come to Hollywood. And because, one, it's Hollywood, and two, because it is of the past events in the Marvel movies, everybody just thinks the aliens are just people in costumes. They just kind of are completely blasé about them walking down the streets of L.A. Yeah, I thought that I actually thought that scene was hilarious because it started out because they got dropped basically in like West Hollywood and no one even thought they looked unusual. And then as they walk across um, the area where people get all the selfies and people are stopping and and taking selfies with them and whatnot, and they just kind of roll with it and take the money. I was like dying laughing. Mm -hmm. And so, again, I felt like it captured that what we like about Guardians of the Galaxy of being funny. And it really is a true Christmas special. Yes. And it, they did uh, not back away from it. Like they went all in on the Christmas special part of it. And I think it was really successful. Yeah. And again, if they try to turn it into a full movie or if they'd had some villain, alien villain trying to destroy Christmas or something, you know. Yeah, that would have been bad. It, it just needed it was just that light, fluffy, you know, it was it was a gingerbread house of a Marvel product. And it was just exactly what it needed to be. So The Hallmark movie version of a Marvel movie. <laughs> there you go. Hallmark movie. Uh, yeah, homework Marvel. And again, I think part of it was, yes, it was like less than an hour long or whatever, but we do like those characters. Everybody loves those characters. Um, the last movie wasn't great. Um, however, this really, to me, was one of those things that 
if I had seen this as a child with characters that I liked, I would have enjoyed even more. But as an adult, I really, really enjoyed it. And I think it was well done. And it's something that we don't see a lot of. Usually it's really poorly done. Yeah, it, it would have been very easy for this to be cheesy or preachy or if, if like if they're unveiling a whole new uh, line of toys featuring the Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Yeah. Yes. And they didn't do that. And like the the other part of it is like every year there are people who host like, you know, it, I'm using Dolly Parton, but people don't don't write to me. Don't hate on me. But like Dolly Parton's Christmas special or Garth Brooks Christmas special or so and so's Christmas special. And sometimes they make sense and sometimes they're very odd and you're like, why does okay? I'm not sure why this person deserves a Christmas special or who this person is, but okay, I'm gonna roll with it. Um, but I thought that most of those tend to feel, as you said, like variety shows, right? Mm-hmm. Where they like come out, they sing a little song, there might be a hey, fake it's house. Michael Buble and you know, help yeah. my friends. Oh, you know, I yes. guess. Oh, so stopping yeah. by in my fake house on the stage or whatever. Yeah. And it has that kind of vibe to it, which is totally not at all what this is. It's a mini story. Mm-hmm. They actually tell a, a good little story within that. Again, you know, not not a lot of real drama. Uh, yes. Uh, you know, no, I'm actually, so I'm questioning, Have now that I think about it, you know, we're having this conversation in early December. I feel like I haven't heard as much Mariah Carey as I usually do. Somehow <laughs> I have escaped. I, I believe it was, wasn't it, you know, some national decree that starting on Black Friday, you had to hear all I want for Christmas is you uh, on a 24-7 loop for from then until December 25th? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, actually, it's weird, but I, I would say that the only reason that you haven't heard it is you haven't been out of your house, you haven't been in public, or you've been listening to podcasts. Okay. Because, Almost, yeah. um, yes, because Mariah Carey, who, you know, likes to be known as the Queen of Christmas, um is still on 24-7. And she has her own Christmas special coming up. Um, that's available. Actually, it's, uh, not, it's already out. Um, and I think it's on Prime. I'm not even sure. Because, again, everybody has one of these. One of the things I thought was hilarious, though, is recently she decided that she wanted to be named Queen of Christmas. And who, who determines yes. this? I need to see the line of the, the lineage. And well, the, she wanted to trademark it. Oh, wow. She wanted to trademark Queen of Christmas. And again, I mean, yes, she kind of is the queen of that particular Christmas song, or she's the queen of Christmas songs. But I don't know if I think of her as like the queen of Christmas. But of course, it's Mariah Carey. So, of course, she does. Um, but yes, yeah, she did, however, actually lose the, the trademark bid earlier this year. And she is not going to be allowed to trademark Queen of Christmas. But the mere fact that she. Nope, McGee. McGee. Ah. Because that happened, we have uh, a new lawsuit that has come out or a new thing that has come out. The Queen of Christmas, where Mariah Carey is now getting her own comic book just ah. in time for the holidays. Well, she saw the Guardians of the Galaxy. She felt the the heat coming. She's like, okay, I got to go move into their their territory. I, I I don't mind her calling herself the Queen of Christmas, although mm-hmm. I think there are probably a bunch of performers who could dispute that. Um, but I I think the the you know you come to our pop culture podcast to get some legal analysis, uh, and I expect I, I think that copy that is not a term that can or should be copyrighted. 
I think it's just too generic. Because how many like there's got to be a whole bunch of you know Christmas pageants and other things. Oh, where, you know, every like, festival I'm sure you know in these small towns. Obviously, Hallmark has told us these festivals that exist, and that's the one thing that my sister and I are missing. So if somebody can find me a festival near Richmond, that'd be fantastic. Right. Um, I'm gonna need to go to one of those. But yeah, I mean like all of those places. I'm sure they have Queen of Christmas. I'm sure there's even, you know, things that aren't pageant related, but, you know, maybe an older woman in the neighborhood or something along those lines. I mean, it, again, it just feels a little too vague. What I did think was Claire's one is that she went after it. She she thought she could get it. Yes. <laughs> she, she she tried to pull Excalibur from the stone. of, of Yes. Know. Yes. And to be fair, she was, you know, the first of all the Nick Cannon baby mamas. So she's special. Um <laughs> But the one man population explosion. Yes, exactly. And again, in the future, we will all be related to Nick Cannon. Now, having said that, I I do think it's hilarious that someone did come up and with a comic book for her called The Queen of Christmas, because she has really very much embraced that song. I mean, obviously, I, I, I could probably look it up, but I hesitate to even think like the just buckets of money that she's made just on that song alone. Well, in light of because people, you know, when we, you know, switch over to the Christmas uh, music on Black Friday or driving back from Thanksgiving weekend, uh, usually, mm-hmm. you know, uh, one of my kids or my wife will observe like almost all these songs are from the 40s, 50s and 60s. And mm-hmm. I have this whole lecture about how, you know, a lot of people went off to fight in World War Two, which and then when they came back like, oh, my God, Christmas at home is just the best thing in the whole wide world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that you saw the you know, 1950s, the rise of commercialization, the rise of the toy industry, this idea that gift giving became a much bigger, much more. Uh, the rise of the nostalgic Christmas that right? never really existed. And of course, for baby boomers like that, those were their formulative Christmases. So that created their idea of what their Christmases ought to be. Which, oh, by the way, you know, you and I had uh, discussed this a little bit earlier, this notion of so they by the time the baby boomers are having kids with us, Generation X, mm-hmm. the coolest generation, uh, we, you know, we are the 1980s are having our Christmases. They're trying to replicate the Christmases they wanted to have. Maybe like uh, they couldn't have the uh the the you know air rifle that they wanted to get they didn't or, get the red rider bb gun Jim. there you go the, exactly. the christmas the story i was trying to come up with oh yeah. absolutely uh, the christmas story is as i've told you it's basically like boomer porn um <laughs> i don't like that movie and i know this probably shocks <laughs> yeah right oh god yeah don't google that however i think that it is very much a boomer movie where it's like that's how they remember certain yeah. things about their christmas to be right yeah. i don't relate to anything in that movie i mean nothing and so that's why i know it has to be an older generation and when i think of that and they wanted that red rider bb gun and they didn't get it and said they got you know the bunny suit and the slippers and that's why I think children of the 80s and 90s got, you know, well, that's why there was the Cabbage Patch Kid craze. Yes. Cabbage Patch Kids, Rubik's Cube, a million and one Transformers and G.I. Joe and Barbies and, you know. Uh, uh, and Pound Puppies. Oh, and yes. Care Bears. Yes. And all of Popples. the things that, yes, that, that even and going in the 90s, we had the Beanie Babies and obviously even going on still with PS3s, like you still can't get those when they come out. Um, So I think that's where it started, though, where I'm going to give my kid something that I didn't have. And if this is the toy that every kid theoretically wants, and we're only told this by marketing, of course, 
that this is the toy that uh, this is the hot toy everybody wants, then I'm going to stand in line and wait for hours and get this. Now, people who are, you know, under a certain age don't understand this concept. Mm. But people used to have to stand in line outside of stores <laughs> yeah. and wait for them to open before they could go in and physically pick something out and then take it to a cash register and purchase it. Yeah. True story. Before, before the, you know, advent, no pun intended, of mm-hmm. uh, uh, of Prime Day, you know, I, I every, you know, usually around uh, Black Friday every year, I'll joke that it's getting more and more commercialized. Nice. Uh, but but really, you know, I can recall back when the, you know, and really wasn't that long ago. Like, you know, my 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 kids were small, like they, you know, local news and a story. I'm here outside the local Best Buy where a line of, you know, 40 people is camping out, getting ready for tomorrow morning's 6 a.m. You know, door opening. Mm-hmm. Uh, fact, wasn't the name Doorbuster? Like the. the, the oh, I, I yeah. Think, like right? Doorbusters. You know, doorbuster sale. You know, the idea almost as if, you know, people say, oh, it was so terrible the way people were trampling each other to get a Cabbage Patch doll. But clearly there's some part of the retailers that like. Okay, we want that with just a little bit less violence. Yeah, because that's what I remember about like my first like probably early childhood memory of news stories involves people fighting over toys. Mm. Like it being a big deal because people were fighting over whether it be the Cabbage Patch Kids or the Beanie Babies or the Pound Puppies. Um, I, I think even Furbies went through a phase like that because, again, it was you had to go and purchase them now. And the story, yeah. and I'm sure these things still happen. They still have shortage. They still have people. And what happens now, of course, is then you can buy it on eBay for twice the price if you really want it. Yeah. Um, because there are those people as well. But that whole concept and that idea of making sure my kid gets what it wants, I just cannot see my grandfather caring like at all about what my dad got for Christmas or, you know what I mean? Like waiting out in line to make sure that he got just the right gift. Whereas that is definitely a generational thing of like our parents decided they were going to go wait in those lines. They're going to make sure we get the gift. They were going to bribe the cashier extra money to hold them one back, whatever was necessary. I wonder if it's a status thing. You know, the idea like you know, everybody like, Actually, curiosity, how many uh, teenage girls or maybe pre-teenage girls this Christmas are going to look under the tree and get Taylor Swift tickets? That have been uh, paid, you know, that somebody like donated a kidney on the black market so they can see. I think that's too rough because again, you're talking kidney on the black market for Taylor Swift tickets. I mean, okay. I, I don't know what would be equivalent to it now, other than Paw Patrol things, because I'm trying to try find Paw Patrol things for my nephew, and certain Paw Patrol things apparently sell out like right before Thanksgiving. I didn't know this. This is first oh. year of interest in the Paw Patrol. Um, so now I'm like hoping that he's going to be into Paw Patrol next Christmas because I'm already thinking that for his birthday, which is, you know, nearer to the summer, I'm going to buy it in January to make sure that I have it because apparently Paw Patrol is hard to get a hold of. Yeah, I have to, I, I, I didn't, my guys were, were too young for that, but Thomas was huge for a while. We'd go to yes. Barnes and Noble and they always had a big train, you know, Thomas mm-hmm. the Tank Engine train engine table over there. Man, you know, an hour, two hours would go by, and I've been reading my books and you know other stuff that I'm reading. They've just you know playing them all around, but so they're all bragging. Oh, Thomas the Tank Engine made with real wood. Well, mm-hmm. they're priced like they're made with real plutonium. Uh, <laughs> when you look at it, I'm like, oh, this is a cute little toy train, and it was like you know, dude, they are insane. Time. He he did go through a Thomas phase, um, 
And it was actually, well, I guess it would have been like last year and during the previous year, he was into Thomas and, you know, we got their the set and then, you know, it was great because, you know, all you have to do is buy all the individual trains, right? And they're great things to tell people like, you know, my sister would tell people like, oh, get him this train or get him that train. And you're like, oh, OK, I'm going to go get him this little train, this little car. It's probably going to be what, 10, 15 bucks. And then you look it up and it's like forty dollars. Yeah. For a tiny little like matchbox size car train. <laughs> and you're like, oh, wow. OK, Thomas. Uh, I, I, for that, I would think that it would run on its own. Yeah, you figure, um, you know, probably you could purchase these don't the and and to be clear, these weren't these were not electric. They were not motorized in any way. They were they were totally manually run trains and they were still, you know, forty dollars a piece. So, you know, I I was going to say you you, now you have a young person in your life. Are are Paw Patrol the hot toy these days or is there anything else that's kind of caught people's attention? Um, I, like I said, I only know what he's into and he's oh, okay. into, yeah, he's into Paw Patrol, dinosaurs and Spidey and his amazing friends. Ah, okay. Very yeah. The, the, yes. the kid friendly version of the Marvel stuff. Correct. And he loves that. Um, which of course they also have like a baby Iron Man and a baby Black Panther and a baby Goblin, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, I, those of you who are into, and that's DC, right? Uh, or is that Marvel? Those are all Marvel. You had a okay. 50-50 shot. It's okay. I know, and I blew it. So them, right, I should have known because of Iron Man. Um, all of them, like, there's all little tiny versions of them. So I, I think that if you were into that, even as an adult, you might appreciate some of the stuff that they do. I They say that, you know, some of the early, you know, bedtime story ones were ones like that, of that kind of Marvel-branded, you know, friendly ones. And, in fact, I remember there was one... My 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 older one was probably like three or so, like, like pretty darn young. And there was a story that involved, you know, Iron Man's friend War Machine. But, you know, at that point, I'm pretty sure my uh, my my now teenager had not heard the word war. Uh-huh. I didn't want to have to explain it. So I just said, and his friend is called the machine. And then, <laughs> Of course, You're so weak. my child, well, my child then decides, you know, that that's the coolest name. That's the machine. <laughs> so now he's running around with the wrong name. Like, eh, OK, I'm just going to, you know, I might be even younger than that. But yeah, it was something where I was like, you know, I, yeah, what's a war? Uh, it's a long story. You know, mm. you're a sweet, innocent child. I don't want to you know, face darkness in the world. No, no, watch something cheery and hairy, like uh, cheery and ha- happy, like uh Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or something. Oh, nice. Like nice. Exile of Mutants. <laughs> yes, exactly. Where they exile all of the misfits out to an island. If you're not just like everyone else, you got to go. Mm. Um, however, uh, it, leading into something a little scarier like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, one of the things that is interesting to me is that while the traditional heartwarming Christmas movie doesn't always do well at the box office and follow-ups, what seemingly we do have an appetite for as Americans is kind of the bad Santa gone to the extreme. Mm. Um, there was, you know, Black Knight, Christmas, you know, I think the one is called Silent Night. One is called Black Christmas. Violent Night. Yes. Violent uh, Night. Yes. from Stranger Things. Yes. There we go. There we go. It's Violent Night. I mean, and again, this takes bad Santa to a whole new level here. These are actual horror films. And so what do you think that is? Because I, you don't seem to be a big horror fan person. And I do like horror movies. However, 
the idea of mixing them with my Christmas, it's, you know, it's like, it's, it's a weird combination for me and I'm not sure that I get it. All right. So I'm going to, I have two thoughts here. Okay. The first one is that, so you look at the Christmas season coming along and we've all, hopefully everyone out there has had a happy, a Merry Christmas, a happy Christmas, some year where, you know, things just seem just right. And my guess is people have had a Christmas that things didn't turn out right. Maybe somebody, they, somebody ended up in the hospital or they were, you know, mourning the loss of a loved one or, you know, they didn't get that big, it's one thing or another, things just didn't work out right. So people know that there's like this enormous expectation of what Christmas is going to be. And I think the Hallmark Christmas movies kind of present that idealized image in which everything is just perfect. Mm-hmm. And then we have the reality in which things are, you know, probably not quite so perfect. Uh, maybe it's a mild one like the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, where it feels like your relatives are always bickering and, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bad like, Moms but, is another one that falls in there that's great, funny, but definitely on that, like, cutting edge. Yeah. H- Holiday um, is another one. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot, you know, it's worth noting a lot of, you know, besides the diehard movies, the number of action movies, the lethal weapon movie, a lethal weapon, mm-hmm. you know, setting a, a action movie at Christmas time probably creates this like inherent tension of characters who are depressed or down or dealing with some sort of melancholy or some sort of darkness in the world at a time. Oh, the melancholy of the holidays is what drives oh, it. I, I think that's a big element of it. And Lord knows I've. Uh, certainly felt that because I think like the flip side, like on the one hand, it's wonderful to have this nostalgia. And I, w- I was blessed. I had, you know, lots of happy Christmases as a kid. And then you realize that one, you can never be a kid again. And as I mentioned, mine are are turning into teenagers. So the, the days of them being those adorable, you know, writing letters to Santa, you know, innocence that we can't quite get back to that. Although, you know, I'm on pace to be an uncle and uh, really looking forward to that. But kind of the, so there's always this sense of like if you have these happy memories, that sense that you can hope the future's good, but you're never probably going to be able to cap. You can't go home again. You can't, yeah, because you've mm-hmm. changed. You know, even if your home is the same. The Hallmark movies say that you can. Yeah. In fact, yeah. they encourage it. Um, my husband, Mr. Bias, has suggested that if you are a single girl in the city, all you need to do is go home. Go to whatever small town you're in, hang out in the local hotel, and you are bound to find your soulmate. Who often will be your childhood best friend who grew into a hunk or something like that. Who, Oh, by the way, also, by the mm-hmm. way, like, how many so – I've seen other people making fun of this trope or cliche. Mickey, in the ones you've seen, do the guys who seem humble and who are lumberjacks or, you know, carpenters restoring the town gazebo or something, do they often turn out to be like secret millionaires or something like that? In a lot of these cases, money is kind of imaginary, too, mm. because a lot of these people don't have jobs that would earn them enough money to live in the houses they live yes. in. Um, it's very like that friend's apartment, you know, kind of argument of how are they affording it on what they what they make. And I love that in some cases they try to say, like, well, this house has been in our family for 100 years. Like, that's mm-hmm. why I have this house. Yes. And I think that, you know, that's one way of getting around it, I suppose. But, yes, there's a real lack of understanding of economics. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, of course, this is a fantasy. But you're right. But, like, also, like, the, yes. the, the any character who is overtly wealthy. Uh, is generally the villain, right? The, 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 there's always this, you know, the the rich businessman who wants to buy up the family the family Christmas tree farm or, you know, 
I just never understand how, like, there are two bakeries that can be competing in such small towns that everyone knows each other. Do they need that many donuts? Like, I I just feel like sometimes it's very, you know, I'm worried about these people and their future. I feel like they should sit down with their accountant and their business managers and come up with some new plans. Because it's always, yeah, it's almost always set up as (laughs) the, the businessman who doesn't have the spirit of Christmas. Who wears the nice suit, maybe drives a lim- is driven around in a limousine or something, but who lives in the big city, right? Who's, mm-hmm. who's materialistic and kind of he's come in to buy the the inn so he can turn it into something for the Congo, big resort. Yes, you know, yes. they are walking embodiments of I am the wrong guy. In fact, when we talked about Noel Diary earlier, like I've never seen a movie that never even bothered to try to convince that the wrong guy for the protagonist is <laughs> like, like most of them, they try at least a little bit. They didn't bit. even try. Like In I said, I wasn't going to give away the ending. Like, He's terrible. Get away from him. Um, but I said, I wasn't going to give away the ending and I'm not, but I would be curious to hear from our listeners. If, if you guys do watch it or have watched it, does it feel like they ran out of money while filming? <laughs> I think they ran. It feels like they ran out of film while filming. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was it. Ah, okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Um, anything more would be to spoil it. But you know, by comparison, the right guy, yes, stayed at home and it works with his hands, right? You know, he's uh, he stayed home and helped his dad when his mom got sick. Yeah. Um, uh, with yeah. what? They, they, with again, the farm, the furniture store, the floral place, whatever. They'll throw it, in a line that, ah, oh, and you were valedictorian. You know, they both, he's not dumb. They'll, they'll emphasize that he's not dumb. Oh, but you had gotten that, that, you had you gotten know. that scholarship to play for Ohio State. Yes. Yes. It's but, always, yeah, he's not, you know, he's all, he's blue collar by choice, right? Yes. He, you know, he could have been the rich guy in the city, but he's chosen to stay in his quaint little hometown. And be because helpful. Th- and he is somebody a, has to take care of that town gazebo. Yes, everyone. Everyone knows this. And yes, absolutely. I think that the guy is almost always the one who stays behind. Um, it's very rare that we have like the guy come home. However, interestingly enough, um, there is one called Just Friends with Ryan Reynolds, um, mm-hmm. where he's the guy who comes home for Christmas. And he was her like quote, I'm doing air quotes, her fat friend um, yes. in high school. And he had lost all the weight and he comes home and, you know, there's this whole tension funniness. That's a good little movie. But normally it really is the female coming home. Yeah. Look, I think it's safe to say that the primary audience for um, the Hallmark Christmas movies, it's primarily built for a, a female audience. And oh, you don't say. Men who are made to, to watch it. Although, <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to say, and men who are made to watch it. Although, uh, a friend of mine, actually the friends that do the Tacky Light Tour, uh, the the husband in that particular house is a huge fan of Hallmark movies for the same reason I am. He's like, they're great. I have to commit, like, no thought. I know what's going to happen. I can get up, walk around, do other things, come back to it if I need to. I don't feel like I'm going to miss something. He's like, and more importantly, like, it's always so happy at the end. Like, everything works out. He's like, and that never happens in real life, so why not enjoy it? I'm like, exactly. I mean, I was going to say, it, it's reached a point, you know, when I'm watching it, yes, of course I'm watching it with Mrs. Garrity. Uh, it would not be my, my, you know, my primary entertainment option. But it's Sunday night, you know, um, the Sunday night football game doesn't seem interesting. It's It's kind of background music, you know, or mood music, or just kind of this, you know, um, that it's it's you know it's it's the it's the easy listening station. <laughs> you Look, know? 
now we've gotten to the point where we're having discussions of like obviously of not only about the characters in the movie but about the timing whether or not they've really pulled out the formula the way that we like to see it done how they could have stepped it up a little bit more <laughs> or maybe they really hit the mark on this is just the right amount of drama yeah the, this yo, is just the right amount of drama that we wanted to see we, and we, like you know at the 45 minute mark conflict is coming yeah it's probably going to be a misunderstanding. It's probably going to be, you know, mm -hmm. oh, you're putting your dog to sleep, not your grandmother. You know. One of the things I've noticed is that in these movies, what causes a lot of drama and a lot of issue in the last, you know, 15 minutes of them not getting along is hugs. Mm. Apparently, no one gets hugs in the Hallmark universe. Oh, really? And the idea is that it's some, this must be his, you know, he's back together with his ex-fiance sort of thing. And it turns Every out his time. sister or. Every <laughs> time. It never fails that there's a hug. Someone sees it. Then they walk away. Oh, I'm leaving the town forever now. He is mm. clearly in love with this other person. <laughs> I'm like, you saw them giving them a hug. <laughs> I was going to say routine questions. <laughs> hey, who is that person I saw you hug? Right. Oh, it's right. I would have like, solved that one right there, but they never stay to hear who they were hugging. They just leave immediately. Like, they're out of here. Yeah. It would also be, you know, that's the one true love of my life. But the, he's from, you know, from across town, I saw him hugging a woman. Well, it's mm -hmm. over now. Well, it's over now. I so saw that hug. The, you know, the sassy black friend or somebody to come along and say, well, maybe if this is the love of your life, maybe you should fight for it, you know, or Correct. something like that. Yeah. Yes. Or the wise grandparent. That, that the wise grandparent. Ask. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But yes, that all, a lot of these conflicts would be resolved if these people communicated better in general. Mm. Um, there would be a lot less lying and trickery involved. And I, I have said this to you before, but maybe not to our listeners, is that I am also a big fan of the ones where they weave in anything like magical. <laughs> so like, like, we're not going to be realistic at all. So let's lean into it. Let's uh, right. Exactly. Like I am 100% lean into the, like anything that has like the Christmas spirit that makes things happen. You know, if there's a special calendar or a candle or an ornament or a stocking, because all of these are actually real things and titles. <laughs> I love them. I love them because I love that idea that anything can happen at Christmas. And I, I think as adults, we lose track of that, right? We lose track of that spirit of Christmas, that, that feeling of awe at the times when you didn't know how everything happened. And now, obviously, we live in a time where we can, if we don't know how to do it, we can, you know, look on YouTube or, God forbid, TikTok and find out how to do it, right? But there's a time when you're young, when you don't necessarily understand how the world works, and there is a certain magic about it. And I also like the idea of there being magic around the the actual like holidays themselves, Hanukkah and Christmas. I think there's a certain amount of magic associated with them, um, the actual holidays. And I think that that brings something to it as well. You know, you've got the virgin birth and you've got the oil that lasts for eight days. Like, again, those yeah. are supernatural behaviors. The, you know, the, the belief, you know, one of the, the cliched lines of dialogue, it's Christmas and anything can happen or something like that. That, you know, um, I was like, like, these stories are very often, I mean, it's, we make fun of them and they're schlocky and they're syrupy and saccharine and all that stuff. But they're very often like, I thought I wanted X in my life, but it turns out I wanted Y. Right. And yes. so I thought that, you know, 
that big, you know, big city, big fancy job in the city with the, you know, oh, I thought that was going to make me happy. But what I really wanted is down here in my old quaint little small hometown um, all along. You know, and my my best friend from high school who wears the flannel shirts is now it turns out he was actually much more handsome and the right guy all along. And the guy who's, you know, one step short of being a miserly Jewish stereotype turned out to be the wrong guy. You know, <laughs> the I mean, guy, who, the guy that was my best friend in high school yeah, grew into his nose and now he's hot. Like and now I'm interested. Um, no, I, I really do believe that that one of the things that attracts us to it. Yes, it's always upbeat. Yes, those things happen. But I think it also every single one of them, as you said, is a reminder about what's really important because the person never picks the big job. The person always picks their family, mm. whether that be, you know, the new family they're creating in the romantic sense or the family where they decide to stay at home in their small town and be with them all the time. It's a really continuous message of what's really important are the people in your life and the people that you care yeah. about, not the job that you have, not the money that you make, not where you live, but the people that you surround yourself with. And I, I, I would like to say that I feel like very blessed with the little family that I've created here and, and my, my sister and I have created here and Mr. Bias in, in the Richmond area, because of course, you know, we, we don't have a lot of family, extended family. And I feel really blessed. And, it, and maybe that's part of what these Hallmark movies remind us of. Yeah, I was just about to say, as you're as you're walking through that, Mickey, two things dawned on me. The first is, look, it's possible that there are a large number of the people who watch these things are pe women with, you know, busy jobs in the big city. But my guess is a lot of them aren't. And so this movie is kind of saying, hey, if you're living in a small town, if you married your high school sweetheart, if you are um, not in a glamorous, you know, uh, high prestigious, you know, high paying position, that's okay because that's not what's really matters in life. Um, and then the second thing I just suddenly dawned on me is that, so all, we, we joke that every one of these movies has either an old man or an old woman who is, you know, a voice of wisdom, who's always encouraging the, the, the protagonist to get together. Always. With guy, right. Yes. Um, and Bonnie Bedelia did that very well in the, the Noel, uh, Noel diary film, but there's always some, you know, I suddenly dawned on me like, so how many people who are watching these movies, particularly on a Sunday night, our grandparents or our people mm -hmm. who are senior citizens and you watch a movie in which you're, you know, someone who looks and sounds like you is respected, mm. right? Is, you know, is an important, is treated important. And, you know, because you're, you're just those kinds of character, you know, you don't see senior citizens in a whole bunch of sitcoms in a whole bunch of, you know, uh, a whole bunch of, you know, dramas, a whole bunch of te you know, television. What shows. you're saying is Hallmark does a lot of representation. It, in a way, strange way, it does. It really does. And I, I mean, you can like actually see that across the board as far as like ethnicities, too, because now they've got like the Greek Christmas, the Italian Christmas, the Japanese Christmas, the Asian, the Asian Christmas, sorry, you know, Latino Christmas. I swear to God, I'm not making this up. These are actual real movies. <laughs> <laughs> but they're different families. And you actually it's odd because one of them was even about like people that were from the Netherlands or Switzerland or something. That sense, Mickey, there. What have you? You actually have the ability to learn a little bit about that culture. 
I was going to say that uh, one of the other Netflix Christmas movies I saw was the one with Freddie Prinze Jr. And the fact that it had it was about a, uh, you know, t- two Latino characters and uh, she was preparing for her quinceanera. So like made it a little more interesting, a little more um it, it gave it something a little different than the typical cookie cutter Christmas movie. So, Absolutely yeah, love so. that movie. Couple of reasons. Right. One will not surprise you. Love that movie. Thought it was adorable. Love the concept. Love how it kind of came together. Love the little girl, the actress. She's great. Um, I am very sad, however, that I never got to get a Quintieres because obviously <laughs> you get to wear crowns and there are gowns involved and you know me with this. Um, but li- literally, I love this movie. This is absolutely one of my favorite new Christmas movies. I thought it had just the right amount of drama, mm-hmm. which wasn't much. And I like that. Um, there wasn't a lot of lying and sneaking around. It wasn't like that. The characters were very likable and I, I definitely highly recommend it, but you're absolutely right. It, it highlighted, um, you know, cultural differences. Um, also, you know, like, you know, uh, feisty grandmother, Uh, like most, like most Hallmark movie grandmothers are sweet and kind of offering wisdom from the kitchen, you know, the, you know, have this Christmas cookie. And remember, maybe the answer was in your heart the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas the, you know, uh, the Latina grandmother in that movie was constantly doing tequila shots. Uh, yes. And there was kind of this, like, I loved her. fun wackiness that, uh, that was, she was a hit in this house as well. Um, the other one was the, uh, I, oh, it was actually, okay, so the other thing which kind of jumped out at me was that, so Freddie Prince Jr., uh, he's aged well. He's Cleo. You know, he took some time away from performing, and he there was kind of this like just I don't want to say weariness, but like he seemed like a you know how there's off like first of all almost all the the male characters if they have kids are They're widowers, widowers. Yeah, you know, like we well they have the to be dead. Stuff. The wife has to be dead because like yeah. they can't be divorced. There can't be like her like hanging around. So it's usually yeah. a widower because you have a character who has to be single. Mm-hmm. Generally, they're not, you know, super young. So they've got some there's some tread on the tires. You know, they've been around. They have a child. Mm-hmm. So what's wrong with them if they're if they're single and available? Right. Right. Well, well we killed uh, our wife so that there was nothing wrong with him. <laughs> He's a perfectly good guy and he would have stayed married. He wasn't wasn't philandering, wasn't looking around. No, we just killed the wife. And that's why he's now available for you, protagonist. And, and he took care of her while she was sick. So it proves that he is an right. awesome guy. And now he's afraid to love again. And that's the challenge. You know, she's and there you go. Yeah. Like, we um, could write these, obviously, at this point. However, I felt that they did deliver it really well. There were some nice twists and turns, right, throughout yeah. um, and surprises that made this a really fun little movie. And again, I love that concept of, and here again, here's Freddie Prince Jr. Someone resurrecting their career through a Christmas movie. Yeah. And and again, he, you know, like I also felt like he almost looked like he was starting to get a bald spot. And yes. I, you know, oh my idea, God. I noticed that too. Yeah. Right. And certain the light. interesting is that, you know, Freddie Prince Jr. is still more than a, more than handsome enough guy to carry a movie like this. And in a way, giving him that makes him like real. You know, and he's a high school music teacher and he's just kind of this, you know, pleasant, good hearted fellow who's doing his best to raise his daughter um, with his, I assume his mother. I didn't get a feeling she was the, the mother-in-law. And it was just this, you know, there, there was a there was an ease to the whole dynamics there. Um, none of it seemed like, you know, we were, there, you didn't have to do much to get us to like this character. He was a very likable oh. Absolutely. It's, it's built in one. I think that he's one of those personalities that he's likable off the top. So he comes in carrying that makes it easy. Um, but it's it's crazy to me that 
it's been so long since we have recorded because we fall right back into these conversations so easily. And I really hope that our listeners are enjoying this as well. It just kind of took me by surprise realizing this as we were kind of talking here, how easily it is for us to just fall back into conversation and right back into our recordings. Um, One thing I did want to ask you, though, is have you guys gotten your lights up yet? So we have the lights on the tree, uh, nothing outside the house, and it's entirely possible we don't. Um, we've been we've been kind of sluggish uh, getting our, our Christmas decorations up this year. I assume, uh, considering your enthusiasm for the tacky lights tour, that you probably have the the uh, the Mickey abode entirely covered by now. Oh, I do. Okay. Um, this year we actually led the neighborhood because we did it the weekend before Thanksgiving because I had to help my sister with her decorations the weekend at, or like Good Friday or what Good Friday night, Black Friday, um, and the weekend after Thanksgiving. So I had to get mine up early so that they were done. And so we had them up for a full week prior to Thanksgiving <laughs> and we turned them on and here the weather was great. It was like 72 degrees at night and several of our neighbors walked over <laughs> to check out the lighting display um, the first couple nights that it was up because they had not obviously gotten theirs up yet. I like to believe that we inspired our neighbors to get theirs up earlier and maybe put a few more things up. Uh, the neighbor across the street may or may not have referred to us as the Griswolds. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I would say put him up that early. <clears throat> I could say, "Wow, you're really punctual and prepared," or I could say, "Wow, you're a psychopath." Your choice. Well, what was hilarious is while we're putting him up, because of course you know it takes a couple days because you got to like first you put out what you think you want to use, then you got to see what's working and what you still need, and you, know, you need more light bulbs, you need more extension cords, so it's a process. And like I said, on day three, neighbor walks across the street and he's like, "So Griswold." <laughs> What are we up to today? It's like, you know, and I looked up, I'm dying laughing. I'm like, look, we're putting some more lights in and I'll put some more in if you don't stop talking. So, you know, but out of curiosity, I assume you take that as a compliment. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah no, no, no. I, again, I, I enjoy it. We do not have like one of those fancy could be in a magazine type displays at all. We have things that I like, um, things that Mr. Bias likes. And so that's pretty much it. Like we put up what we want. And there's no necessarily rhyme nor reason, but it's not, you know, just randomly all over the place either. Um, There is some structure to it. However, like I said, it definitely is not something that would belong either on the Tacky Light Store, nor would it belong in a magazine. It's neither of those takes. We've got a little mix of traditional and some more. And then we've got like the blow up things as well, like a couple of blow up things, Santa and a reindeer. Mm. Um, so we've got some of that, but what I like to do is drive around at night and look at everybody else's lights. And right now is the judging season. (laughs) And it's not that I'm judging the quality of their lights at this point. That'll come later. Now I am currently judging whether or not they have their lights up. And I will give you partial credit if I can see your Christmas tree through the window. Okay. Like you get like partial credit. That's how I would qualify. If you get a wreath on your window, you're like, you get a wreath. But I don't think that that's fair if it doesn't light up. So I, I am, I'm very torn, but I will not call you a Grinch when I'm doing my judging if I find a wreath on your door. However, if I do not see anything, I will name you a Grinch for the neighborhood. And then I will keep an eye on you and see if you ever put Christmas lights on. <laughs> 
<laughs> before the Christmas season is over. <laughs> and I am happy to report that this season is the most Christmas lights I've seen in my neighborhood since I moved in here. Mm. And so it makes me very, very happy. I hope that we have inspired others. One of the things I think I've, I've definitely told you this, and it's been a while for our listeners, but our neighborhood is definitely in change and in flux. And so we have a lot of young families that are coming in as well. And you can see them getting into it. And like I said, for me, as someone who thoroughly enjoys the Christmas season, love this. Could not get better. So, but just so you know, if I were driving past your house, you would get partial credit for the Christmas tree but not full credit for having the lights out. I would say we may add a wreath. Usually we get one around this time of year. Uh, and we, we, we used to have candy canes down the driveway and stuff like that. I, I was never a huge fan of it, but they were simple. So Is that because you had to put them out? Um, I think they kind of looked cheesier than I would have preferred. So what, oh oh you prefer a tasteful Christmas display? Well, you know, Are I, you a white lights guy? So I could have lived. I was like for a long when I was growing up, I was like no colorful lights, make it a rainbow, you know, as as big as you possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by um, by you know as you get older, you're like okay. The, the, I, I actually what I really you know, decided I like the most, and you know maybe maybe if I get my act together, we'll get it before Christmas. Is like one candle in each window. Electronic, mm-hmm. you know, um, no need to burn places, burn the house down. But the idea of, you know, if you get that and the wreaths and all that kind of stuff, it can be very simple and just kind of very, almost like a classy, elegant look. So. Oh, yeah, you are a white lights guy. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. I white mean, like, lights, that's lights, cool. Lights. And I have houses in the neighborhood that are like that. I mean, obviously, we live in a contemporary style house, so not we could never do, like, the traditional wreaths in the window, white lights, and a... And <laughs> candle that would never happen in our house but we have neighbors who do that and it does look lovely it looks kind of like a christmas card in some cases and that's cool that's not my style either though like i have a mix of there's certain areas of my yard that have white lights and there's certain areas of my lights that have multicolored lights because i think there's a need for both i was gonna say you know exactly i would not want uh any kind of you know quasi-fascistic homeowners association telling people to stick with one or the other um, you know, and, and the the kids have always wanted multicolored lights and stuff like that. Ideally, that's why, you know, a house might want to have two Christmas trees. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We um for years actually had two Christmas trees. One always had all red lights and the other one was either multicolored or white. But I like red lights on a Christmas tree. So that's me. <laughs> and our neighbors saw it and now they also have a red lighted Christmas tree. So apparently it does look cool. It's not just me. Red light, it just seemed like you know, maybe some sort of like, you know, the Enterprise is going to red alert or something like that. You would think that, but it's not. It looks really cool. out. And again, uh, I loved it. Apparently, several of my neighbors also loved it because they've now switched over to having at least one tree with some red lights on it. And I think that's hilarious, actually. Uh, but one of the shows that I've watched on TV is the uh, Christmas. <laughs> and I, it's on Hulu, like. Uh, as a repeat but I think it's on ABC normally and it's the great Christmas light flight light fight that's hard to say um and have you ever watched this I've seen the commercials but I've never watched a full episode like obviously we have the tacky light tour here in Richmond I have seen some crazy things and in fact there was someone in Richmond that was on the the great Christmas light fight a few years ago. Um, So I've seen some crazy houses, but every season they get wilder. And this year they had pyrotechnics in one of the houses. 
that they were watching, and one had a roller coaster that they had. When you say pirate, like you know, like fireworks, like stuff shooting off. Yes, like fire shooting up out of the top. Shoo, shoo, fireworks and pyrotechs and fire. It's not really a Christmas symbol, is it? Well, they also built, you know, like the haunted rides when you were younger, where you would go on and it's like the little cart and it takes you through and the doors open. You go in through the little rooms and it used to be scary. Well, they did that and they built the whole thing themselves, by the way. But they did it with like Christmas decorations and Candyland theme. Like I, I, I can't even imagine how much time these people invest in it. But in watching a lot of this, obviously they have a lot of help. Like families are always talking about, oh, my whole family helps. The neighborhood comes over and helps or whatever. But like, I'm just trying to wrap my, I have a very, I think it's, pretty good set of lights it's not you know the whole house isn't decorated all over the front and back just the front yard you know that kind of thing but it takes three days for me to set it up just that my little whatever these people are starting like five six months in advance to set it up then they have to tear it down afterwards that is you know the other thing that's kind of been, been you know lingering in the back of my mind throughout this conversation has been the sense that uh Mickey, you there? Yes. How do they have the time? Sure. There's that coupled with the sense like, so we do it. And then, you know, probably by the weekend after New Year's Day, you're expected to take your Christmas lights down. You look kind of ridiculous if you don't. And then, as we've discussed in past episodes, January, other than the Super Bowl or NFL playoffs, generally a pretty miserable month. Like weather's terrible. School's always being canceled. There's always slush. And And by February, you know, you're like, ah. So like we have this big celebration saying winter's starting. And then, like, when winter really gets gray and depressing and crappy, we don't keep the Christmas stuff around that cheers us up and makes us feel good. Mm, You don't. No. (laughs) I have been known not to keep the necessarily the outside lights up, but I have been known to keep the Christmas tree lights up well into the end of January. Um, If I've decided that I want those lights, because, again, as you said, it's dark and it's, you know, kind of wintry, et cetera. I will keep them up late and long. Um, And speaking of long um, and running long, (laughs) this is kind of crazy, guys. Um, I guess we had a lot to talk about as we went into two full parts. um, And uh, I'm just so glad that we had this opportunity to get together and talk about the holidays with you. Jim, I, I want to wish you and your family the happiest of Hanukkahs, the merriest of Christmases, and happy all the holidays in the middle, and those that come in before and after. And to all of our listeners, we just want to thank you for staying with us, and I hope you enjoy the show. Um, do keep an eye out. We are working on some new projects that are becoming in the new year. Um, a very Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays, and Happy New Year from me, Mickey White, and him, Jim Garrity. You've been listening to the one, the only, the Jim and Mickey show.